With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to episode 53 of Beyond the Blade here on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel and the Grandstand Sports Network, the best view in sports. I'm your co-host, Chad Didimenesis. And I'm your other co-host, Bill Shockey. And Chad, fitting, we got back into it today because I just got the notification to uh, reactivate my fantasy hockey league. <laughs> Yeah, so that that the uh, that'll be fun. I mean, I kind of with all the fantasy football stuff going on right now, I kind of forget that maybe that fantasy hockey draft is kind of creeping up on us here as we're entering what the middle was say August tenth, right in the middle of this middle of uh, August already. So that draft's sort of right around the corner there. Yeah, we're probably about a month away from that. Uh, I'll probably get it going. I mean, I'm looking at my team, and we we have uh, four keepers in our league, as you know. So I uh, I got quite a few decisions to make. Uh, which, uh, see, so yeah, I got Forsberg, Bergeron, Tavares, Marner. I picked up off the agency, Pasternak, Carlson, Copa. Pasternak, I think something's gonna be better. I was a year early on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. You, you drafted him early year one, and then nobody took a flyer on him year two. And uh, he might even be a keeper this year. So he, he definitely had a, a complete 180 from the first year. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, luckily, we'll have Brandon on later, so I can ask him at least about Pasternak and Bergeron, but uh, definitely some things to look forward to, and I'll probably uh, – you know, I'll, I'll give a few uh, pointers and tips. I've, I've done pretty well uh, as the season goes on here. So, for me, it's – I mean, my some of my keepers are pretty simple. You know, I have Eichel, uh, Line A, and then that's where – after that, it kind of gets tricky. I mean – I thought Panarin was an easy keeper, but now he's in Columbus. He's over Patrick Kane, so do you maybe try to move him and get something? Blake Wheeler is always a guy who's underestimated. He's solid, so he's probably one of my keepers. Uh, nobody in defense, but then there's Golden, and then I have Bobrovsky and Murray, and believe it or not, I started last year with neither of those guys. Uh, <laughs> yep. Somebody who drafted Murray uh, dropped him early in the season. I picked him up while he was still hurt. And then I think I got Bobrovsky in a trade early in the season, too. I moved Leonard and something else for him. But yeah, I mean those, those. I mean those are two great goalies, and I don't know if if I move Panarin, I guess I'll probably go in the direction of going Line A, Eichel, Wheeler, and Bobrovsky. I mean you can't give up the goaltender and just won the Vesna, right? And it makes the most. And Columbus is like they're a good team again, so why won't he win and play well again? Yeah, I mean you can always uh, pick him back up in the first round, but I will say this year we actually had uh, last thing on this. We had a, a lot of trades before the draft last year, even with the keepers locking, mostly because of who was at the top of the draft last year, uh, guys right. like Matthews and, and Line a being able to be drafted. And then Eichel McDavid the year before that. 
Right. And you don't really have that this year. So I don't know if there's really going to be too much movement uh, pre-draft in your keeper leagues. But, uh, yeah, so I, I would expect it to pre- pretty much stand put. And uh, if trades are going to happen, they're probably going to happen halfway through the draft or after the draft completes. So a little bit of a summer vacation for us. Anything uh, interesting you did with your, with your time off of hockey? I feel like we haven't talked in a while, so it's like a, huh. like a catching up thing for us. Yeah, not really. I mean, I had a, a week off at the beginning of August. I was supposed to do about 20 things on the, the housework list and did probably about eight of them. <laughs> just just drank the rest of the time? Is it how it I got in the pool, hung out with the kids. So, uh, I mean, it was good, you know, good time relaxing, get away from work for a little bit, enjoy the sun. Can't really do that too much uh, with a five-month-old. So, right. to be able to send him off to the in-laws and, and just kind of hang out outside for a little bit was nice. But, I mean, yeah, other than that, kind of just trucking our way through summer here and getting getting ready for hockey to come back. Yeah, I mean, same thing for me. I kind of haven't done much. It's just been – I don't know. I mean, I guess I could say I launched a sports network if that's a big thing. I mean, I, I did do that. So I mean, I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that part of it, but uh, yeah, I just kind of been hanging out, man. You know, it's no vacation for me. I'm saving it because uh, I don't know if I've told you or really anybody yet. I'm. I got the. Okay, <laughs> it's funny. Um, so my wife's birthday was at the end of July. Um, she's always told me she's a big Britney Spears fan. So she always told me she wanted to go see Britney Spears in Las Vegas before her little thing was over. So I thought that was a good idea. So I got that gift for her as an idea. Hmm. Well, I thought of it as an idea. And then Hmm. what put that idea over the edge, I mean, go through with it. And I'm like, wait a minute, Las Vegas has a hockey team this year. (laughs) So what Chad did being the intelligent person that he is, he decided to look for Britney Spears tickets the day after the Sabres are in Las Vegas. So Chad will be in Las Vegas for the first game in Vegas, but then as well, the Britney Spears concert next night. But I think it's fair to be there for the first game and first Sabres game in Las Vegas on October I 17th. It, I think you made it worth it. <laughs> I think so. Right. I mean, I'm I going to Vegas, I'm going to a off. hockey game and then I don't know, Britney Spears concert, whatever. I mean, she danced around with all clothes on, I guess for a while. Well, not with all clothes, but skimpy clothes. So <laughs> I can, I can deal with that. <laughs> Oh, that's good. But no, yeah, I think uh, I think you pulled that off as, as well as a husband could. I mean, I, I, I to be fair, I told the old lady, you know, part of this was for say. her, and then the other part was for me too. So, I mean, I didn't hide anything. You know, right when I gave the tickets, I said, well, we're going to go to the hockey game too. And she said, no, we're not. And I said, oh, yes, we are. And then that was kind of the end of it. But That would have uh, been, been even better if you didn't tell her. And then all of a sudden, once you were in Vegas, you say, oh, by the way, Oh, we're, oh, yeah, by the way, we're going to the hockey game tonight. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, leading up to that day, it would have been a, a quite quite a story for the podcast. But Yeah, it would have been a long five-hour flight probably to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we do have a little bit of announcement before he gets the hockey talk here. Um, so pretty cool, mm-hmm. another pretty cool thing going on. I guess we have our first technically sponsor partnership, however you want to describe it with a clothing website, a local clothing website here in Buffalo uh, called Just Dishin Hockey. Uh, you can check out the website at, or not at, just just, just Dishin Hockey, D-I-S-H-I-N Hockey.com. Um, it's a website for different kind of, I guess, what, hockey clothing. You know, their, their catch line is by hockey players for hockey players. Uh, they have some cool stuff there, shirts, hats, uh, sunglasses in which they refer to as Dishin Vision, uh, kind of like that. Also, I think that the guys are going to set up a promo code for us too. Uh, so any of our listeners or followers can go on the website. I think it'll be like a 20% off type deal. So we'll know more when that becomes, I would say, Facebook official. So that's how I'll, I'll clarify it. But, um, oh, it, you know, it's exciting for us. That's our first sponsorship slash partner that uh, we're going to go there. And we'll have them on our website. They'll be on our website. Um, and we have some cool ideas, you know, we've been kicking around for when the hockey season gets started here. So that's, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, definitely. Kind of came out of nowhere. So it did. Uh, it really did. Yeah. Those are, you know, kind of the best ones that <laughs> catch you off guard and like, all right, Hey, let's, let's kind of do this. So yeah, just, uh, go check them out and we'll kind of give you more information as it, as it comes along here in the next, you know, coming weeks. So on to the hockey talk. Um, my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I, I guess where we'll probably start here is, um, I mean, there's really not a lot of Sabres, the Sabres wise talk about, I mean, nothing's really happened in the last few months or a few weeks. We kind of covered the free agent things. I'm not going to go over, we're not going to go over that again. 
but what we're going to do here over the summer leading up to the season is we're going to have a conversation with somebody different that covers a team in the Atlantic Division. Uh, so we'll have somebody from Boston, Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, Detroit, Florida, Tampa Bay. I think that's everybody. Um, come on with us at some point. Talk about what they think you know, a Sabres division foe looks like. And we're going to kick that off this week um, with a good friend of ours, Brandon Sher Cohen. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to have Brandon on. You know, we always seem to have a good rapport with him, and he knows his stuff, not only Bruins, uh, but he knows his, his league stuff, Bill. So he's, it's exciting to have him on. Sports in general. The one thing I will say as a Boston and Bruins fan with a preseason football on tonight, I'm – don't know how how much I'm looking forward to talking to him <laughs> if he tries to slip some football in there. But uh, other than that, yeah, uh, love having Brandon on and excited to kind of get this kicked off with with him in Boston. I think it's a good place to start because uh, Boston's you know kind of that team that you know what you're getting every year. They're going to be basically right there, and if they play well, they get in. If they don't, they just miss. And I have a feeling it's going to be kind of the same thing again this year, expect, except with uh, some new young faces. Uh, just to give you a quick look ahead before we get to Brandon here, um, some things we have on our list. We're going to talk about um, our Twitter poll we put out with Reinhardt moving him to center and keeping him at wing. Uh, we're going to talk about seemingly a topic that has followed Eichel since he's been in the league. Uh, who's going to be Eichel's winger? Uh-huh. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Gergensen, who still remains unsigned. Uh, where does he fit here? Uh, we're going to talk about Will Butcher, who's going to be a free agent BC style in about a week here. And then also we're going to kind of kick around how cool it is that Victor Antipa is going to wear number 93, because I think that's pretty pretty interesting. It'll be cool to see. But as I said, let's get to the division uh, preview here, if you will, and bring in um, our Boston guy for that conversation. All right. So with us now to begin our Atlantic division preview, uh, we brought in old friend we've had on a few times, Brandon Cher Cohen, to give us a view of the Boston Bruins. Brandon, Chad, and Bill here, man. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Always, always, always a pleasure, my friends. Oh, it's since the mock. It's been since the mock. Yeah. Yeah, it has been. been. A bit. I mean, we, we can start there if you want. You you talked about Casey Middlestad, and uh, he's looking really good so far. I mean, the guy's just got so much raw talent. <laughs> And uh, I mean, you've seen his uh, his slick moves already. Um, I'm a big fan of his. We'll see how it actually pans out. It's it's a little disappointing uh, having him within the division. <laughs> uh, I think if anything, uh, Buffalo deserves it. They've, you guys have been building up a very good young core of players. So if anything, I'm glad you guys got another extra piece to work with. Uh, I mean, I love Michael and I love Reinhardt. I wanted both of them on the Bruins. Unrealistically, but I've there's two players I had my eyes on for a while um, before they were drafted. So middle stats just adding to the uh, adding to the appeal of the, of the Sabres. That's good to know. <laughs> well, uh, since you came with all the kind words to the Sabres, I guess I'll, I'll let you talk about the Bruins now. <laughs> Worst team. Tugarask is not a top 10 goalie. <laughs> no, no. Uh, to be clear, I'm on the side of uh, Tugarask absolutely is a, uh, a top 10 goalie. Yeah, I would hope so. Because... <laughs> Especially... Uh, go ahead. I was saying, uh, I mean, Leonard is nowhere near Tugarask, but you get so much flack, and I can only imagine this stuff you're hearing for a guy with the talent of Tugarask just has to drive you insane, but... It's just, it's insane to me that it's even a discussion, you know? Uh, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I totally don't get it. So I, I got, uh, I'll kick this off with my first one. Uh, my, as we were saying in the intro, uh, fantasy leagues on ESPN, just, I was able to reinstate our league. Uh, so I've I'm, I'm, got some keepers I got to decide on. Uh, one of them is Mr. David Pasternak. So uh, what's, what's kind of going on with him right now? Uh, hair still looks really good. Uh, <laughs> not sure how his teeth have been uh, holding up after he lost a bit of his front teeth in the, during the season. Uh, still looking for his big payday. He's going to get it. Um, I know there's a lot of concern from, uh, from the odd Bruins fan here and there because he's not signed yet and we're in August. But I just, I don't understand the concern because the kid is 21. Uh, he's going to be 21 for the entire season. So he's still very young entering his fourth year. Uh, obviously coming off of 34 goals, 70 points. There's no way you let a guy like that walk. 
Mm-hmm. But then, you know, you look at the Bruins in the past and you say, oh, well, Thornton and Kessel and Sagan <laughs> and Hamilton. <laughs> but then <Sheesh. laughs> but look at the, the situation of it all, you know, like every single one of them had uh, some kind of desire to leave the city or some kind of problem that the upper management deemed uh, that just it wasn't working with them. They weren't able to uh, to cope with the uh, extracurricular stuff. Was it right or wrong? Uh, wrong? Who knows? I mean, I say wrong, but I, I think that a guy like Tyler Sagan should not be traded, <laughs> especially for the return. But a guy like David Pasternak, he's expressed that he wants to stay. The Bruins have expressed they want to sign him. I don't see what the concern is. The guy's going to get paid six, six and a half million for the next six years, and he's going to be a Bruin for the foreseeable future. So do you think maybe, I guess if I'm a Bruins fan, maybe my worry is, I guess we're not there at the point yet. Maybe in a few weeks, well, maybe a month we are, but do you think there's any chance we could see a possibly a holdout here? Or do you think we're a little bit early there? Maybe middle September is when you start to worry about that possibility. Um, I mean, it's early. It's really early to think about a holdout. I think it's always on the back of everybody's mind. I think the player knows it's an option. I think his agent knows it's an option. And I think the uh, the Bruins manager team knows that it's an option. I just uh, I don't think anybody's actually scared about it at this point. But as time goes on, I mean, it becomes more of a realistic opportunity for uh, Pasternak to hold out for his money. The, the longer the player holds out, I mean, he, he's not getting paid. So especially a guy who's 21 coming off, you know, a huge year, you kind of just, I don't want to say take what you get, but take what a guy, 21, who put up that many points is going to get uh, for the next six years, and you're, you're still making a ton of money. When I saw that they were going to, I mean, he was looking for, this is obviously reports, and I don't know how true it is at this point, but the reports where he was looking for about $6 million for the next six years, that's okay, sure. That's crazy. I'm fine with that for the production that he gave us um, as a two-way player, as a goal, as a goal scorer. It's just, uh, I mean, 36 assists is impressive as well. Uh, he played with a bit of an edge last year. I think the issue really isn't so much uh, a matter of dollar. I think it's more of a matter of how it's going to be paid to him. You guys know better than anybody with Ryan O'Reilly, you know, uh, lockout protection. Yep. You try and front load the contract up, make sure you got a lot of signing bonus, make sure you got a lot of performance bonuses that are paid. I mean, what is it, like forty nine million out of fifty million or something or fifty six million or something for uh-huh. O'Reilly that's uh all paid in signing and performance bonuses. I think it's more an issue like that. Uh and another thing is if, if Pasternak does hold out, like you're saying, it's just him missing time and the Bruins have so many young players that want a spot on the lineup, they're not gonna hesitate to play a guy like Anders Bjork or Danton Heinen or Peter Solaric. Jake DeBrusque, Zach Sanishin, like they're going to get opportunities. And if Pasternak's not there, it just gives them another opportunity. So you mentioned the young kids. Uh, the Bruins didn't really do a whole lot this summer. Uh, there's Paul Potts, I think, was only signing the head. They tried to improve the D. They couldn't work out a deal for Brodeen, who they were chasing. It appears they lost out on Scandella to the Sabres. So you mentioned some of the young players there that could step up for the Bruins this year. So in your opinion, was the offseason good, bad, or are you kind of indifferent on it? I'm happy with the offseason. Uh, Kenny Agostino was a good under-the-wire pickup. Uh, AHL player of the year last year. Very, very good campaign. Uh, always kind of beaten out in depth charts uh, throughout his career. Uh, it was Calgary and St. Louis, I believe, were the two teams he's been with. Uh, good little pickup. If he makes it, he makes it. If not, it's uh, no harm, no foul. Postma, I mean, whether he makes it or not as an actual like top six defenseman on our team, uh, it's still left to be determined. But if you look at the players that they have coming in, regardless of any offseason additions, uh, the top four defense never looked too bad to me. I mean, you look, you have Chara, Carlo, McAvoy, and Krug. And then you still have McQuaid and Miller that are just sitting there waiting for uh, the bottom six, the bottom pairing spot. I'm okay with what we, uh, with what the Bruins did the offseason. I think uh, the two you mentioned that really stand out and, and the reason why you guys are okay um, this is Tara or uh, sorry, Carlo and uh, McAvoy. McAvoy. I don't, yeah, I don't think anybody really, at least in McAvoy's instance, I don't think anyone really saw him being this good this soon. Um, I mean, we'll see for a full season how long he can keep it going, but I mean, the kid looked really good at the end of last season. Uh, and then Carlo, at, at least for me here in Buffalo, kind of came out of nowhere last year, uh, and was a surprise. So I, I remember Chad and I talking about going into last year that we thought the, the defense was going to really struggle. Um, for Boston, and obviously they weren't great last year, but um, when you have a guy like Carlos step in and then 
McAvoy on top of it for a full year this year, uh, I think you're looking a lot better than we thought, at least uh, going into last year. Well, yeah, I mean, Carlo is someone that uh, has made a name for himself at the uh, the major junior level. He did really well with uh, with the U.S. actually in the uh, the World Juniors for a few years. And uh, after they when they drafted him with uh, the 37th pick, I thought that it was a really good pickup. And then I saw him again in the World Juniors, and he just was a bona fide like shutdown top pairing guy. So he didn't really creep up on me. But him being this good, this fast, like being the potential centerpiece for a Duchesne or a Landis deal. And you're saying, well, no, we don't want to trade this guy. That's impressive considering the kid turned 20 last season in November, but pretty much in the end of November too, pretty much the beginning of December. Um, it's impressive when you talk about a guy who's a defensive defenseman playing that solid of a role. And then McAvoy. Um, I mean, I was scouting him out before he was drafted. And then I was happy when the Bruins drafted him. And then he played even better when he played with uh, BU again. And then the World Juniors, as you guys know, he uh, he tore it up. Mm-hmm. And right. then for his debut, I remember I spoke to Chad and I was saying, "Hey, <laughs> you're going to do a scouting report. Can I? Yep. You could do one on Charlie McAvoy, <laughs> and I'll do one on him as well, and we'll see how it compares." And that's how I got involved with you guys more of a getting an in-depth role with the uh, the scouting stuff. And yep. didn't have a point. He didn't have a shot on goal, but the kid just blew me away. And he was the talk all over the internet because yep. of just how good he looked. And uh, I mean, he's still 19 years old. You know, he doesn't turn 20 until December 21st. That's crazy to me that he looks so good, and he hasn't even played a single regular season game. Uh, we're on the topic of moves. Brian Spooner, still around. He's a guy that a lot of people in Boston, and I myself thought he'd be on the move. He got a new one-year contract. Are you surprised that it looks like he's going to be there come training camp out of the season? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody, myself included, was kind of uh, anticipating the team moving forward without him. <clears throat> it just seemed like the writing was on the walls. Uh, there were reports everywhere that they were trying to move him. Uh, they also signed Forrest back at Carlson at the end of last season from BU, another one of their prospects, second-round pick, right after uh, Carlo, actually. So that's two players from that draft that could make a big impact this year. But uh, no, it's, uh, it's a little surprising that he re-signed. I think 2.82 is a good deal for him. I think it's... Uh, solid value for a guy that has a lot of offensive instincts that can potentially put up 50 points. What confuses me is where he's going to play because I know that he wants to play center. He's uh, he's definitely a center. He wants to play uh, down in the middle, but the Bruins already have Bergeron and Krejci. And then you saw that they didn't really trust him down the stretch as a center. And that there's Bacchus and fourth back of Carlson that could play center. So do you start him at the third line center spot? Do you put him on the wing of the third line? Do you put him next to Krejci even? I'm not sure where they're going to play him. I'm not sure what the plan is right now. But uh, definitely surprised, but not upset, if that makes sense. You think sounds it's, a lot like a guy we have here, Bill, uh, Mr. Gergensen. Sounds a lot like uh, that, that yeah. type of situation. Except yeah, I was one thinking of, an all-star. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I don't know about a little asterisk all-star. <laughs> no, no. All-star, all-star. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it sounds like – do you think maybe it's more of a – kind of a safety net? I mean, I, had, I also had Bergeron last year in fantasy, and uh, he's in and out with a lot of injuries. He always didn't seem – at least until the end of the season, he didn't seem like he was really himself, I guess you could say. Uh, so you think it's maybe a, a situation where he, if he plays on the wing, he plays on the wing, but it's that, that center depth that's always super important just in case someone goes down? Well, in the case of Boston, I mean, just to start with Bergeron, is he, he still had a really good season, obviously a selkie – earning season um the guy still looked fantastic in every aspect of the game he had a bit of a slow start offensively but then really started to tear it up down the stretch like i played the entire season with a sports hernia like that's it boggles my mind how patrice bergeron is so good like i don't care who you are in hockey i don't care if your name is mcdavid if your name is taze if your name is gergensen's nobody can do what bergeron does as an all-around player you know what i mean yep um david Krejci had a kind of an off season but to be fair, he also had a, an injury going uh, into the offseason last year. So it was just a slow start heading into the season, and it kind of trickled through. But uh, in terms of center depth, I mean, like I said, there's four centers that can play a top-nine role that I named in Bergeron, Krejci, Backus, and Forsbacca Carlson. Obviously, the latter being a young kid who's unproven at this point. Played mm-hmm. one game with like 10 minutes, right. uh, very little exposure. So he, a lot of people were freaking out about it, which is just funny. It's par for the course with, uh, I know Boston sports at least, and I've seen actually uh, some of the interactions with uh, Beyond the Blade 
where people freak out about some minor thing and you're like nothing happened don't just let things play out it's okay (laughs) calm down the guy didn't score for the first five minutes of his career (laughs) he's not a bust don't worry um but no and then you look at other players that the bruins have coming up even danton heinen is a center you know he's a, a natural center that plays more on the wing because of uh what the bruins need so if you have a player like that that can even be fighting for a center spot, I don't think they needed the insurance. Okay. I think they just know what they have in Spooner. I think they know that he had kind of a bad rap last year. Uh, the team was in between head coaches. Claude Julien was someone that uh, he and Spooner, I, must, I don't want to say they didn't get along, but they always seemed to butt heads when it came to uh, his utilization. Just because Julien is more of a defensive-minded coach and now Cassidy, you see, is more of an offensive-minded guy, still focuses on defense but he likes to uh, to utilize every player in an offensive way. So maybe give Spooner a full opportunity, a full season under Cassidy, see if he can get back to the, uh, you know, what he did in his first season, his 49 points in his first season, I believe. It's uh, He's got potential. You can see it when he's hot, he's hot. The issue is when he's cold, he's pretty much invisible. Okay. I mean, it makes sense, especially he said with the coaching change. Um, kind of going to, you know, flip gears here and, and you go to the old guy, <laughs> uh, Chara. Do you think it's his last year or what's going on? It seems like uh, at least the last couple of years, is, well, maybe this might be the year, and then he comes back for another one. So uh, kind of what do you think is going on with him? Chara kind of reminds me of, uh, of another 40-year-old player in Boston and uh, Tom Brady where every season oh, no. it's like, okay, <laughs> no. it's you know, he's going to drop off. He's not going to be good anymore. And, or when is he going to finally be done? Because he's old. He's been playing for a long time. But, uh, I mean, no, I, we'll see how he does. His knee is still just barely holding on after that injury he had a few years ago. It's, uh, it actually cannot be 100% repaired ever. So it is what it is. The guy still looks like a legitimate top four player in my mind. And I think he was the best, if not the, at least the second best Bruin, uh, Bruins defenseman last year. So I guess they're going to see how he does in his last season. It's a $4 million cap at this year, which is less than it's been in recent years. And if he's still good, why not resign him? Just sign him for another one-year deal. And if he's still okay, but you see him like take a big step back, maybe see if he wants to sign for a significantly cheaper deal. Or if you see the ruins aren't in uh, contention by the deadline, maybe he gets traded to a contender just to give him that chance to go on top if he does want to retire. So I think we'll know as the season goes on what the uh, the plans are with him. But it's hard to ever uh, gauge what the team's going to do uh, in terms of defense if you don't know if Chair's going to be there this year, next year, the year after. Like, when's he retiring? So I think everyone's kind of in the dark on that one so far. So uh, as we wrap up our conversation here, a um, couple more questions. What do you first of all? What do you think the biggest, I guess, weakness is for the Bruins heading into this season? Where, where, what has you worried about them? It's weird because one of the biggest weaknesses is also potentially one of their biggest strengths. And it's the fact that they have so many young players that are vying for opportunities and you only need a few of them to actually click and work, but you're also relying on them, like having at least one or two of them clicking and working. If they don't, then it could be a very big weak spot on a team. And there's always going to be hiccups for young players. It's uh, it's unavoidable. Even Austin Matthews last season went through a little bit of a slump in terms of goal scoring, not actually point production, but you could see that he was uh, he was fine by the end of it, but there was still some talk as it happened, and that's a it's pretty much a regular thing. But uh, another thing is the uh, the backup goaltender situation. Uh, uh-huh. People will talk about how Hidovin had an awful start to the season, and he did. All Bruins backups did, other than Rask, who is a top ten goaltender. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if I didn't make that clear before, but uh, no, I mean his last uh, eight games of the season, Hidovin was was really good. He looked the part. But And then you have uh, Zane McIntyre, who's sitting in Providence, who was probably the best goalie in the AHL last season. Uh, definitely oh, top oh. two. <laughs> 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 he was really good, guys. Um, <laughs> but then he got to the NHL level. Whenever he would play in the, uh, in the NHL, it just wasn't the same. He didn't have that same kind of spark, the same kind of uh, production. And I think that's also normal. You know, you make the jump from the AHL to the NHL. You're playing against the Kenny Agostinos in the AHL versus the Connor McDavid's in the NHL. There's a reason why one is playing at 18 in the in the big leagues and one is playing at 20, 22, 23 in the AHL. So I guess the uh, young players and backup goaltending. 
would be my answer. So I think you're gonna uh, I know your answer to this one, but so do you think they're a playoff team this year? Yeah. Um I don't know if I can do a plug for my upcoming podcast, but uh <laughs> there was a discussion that uh my buddy and I, my co host Joe Oaks, we did a whole primer of the Atlantic division and we both had Boston sitting in third. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but well, I guess that gets right to my next question. I guess you can lead right into it. Who are your uh, who are your top three teams in the Atlantic this year? Because I'm going to ask every everyone we talk about here, or every person we talk with about their team in the Atlantic. I'm going to ask them that question because, I mean, from our perspective, sitting here, this division looks wide open. So, who you are your like. who are your three teams? You want to give all eight in order? Go ahead. <laughs> Go for it. I came prepared. <laughs> Tampa Bay, Toronto, Boston, Same. Ottawa. Montreal. This is kind of a toss-up for me because I can see Florida or Buffalo being in that spot. What? I'm going to go Florida, Buffalo, oh. <laughs> and Detroit. But I like, like I said at the beginning of the show, I like what Buffalo's doing. I was going to say, you definitely could have flipped those just because you're on the podcast and probably got you some brownie points. <laughs> I also could have flipped Montreal <laughs> and Ottawa because I live in Montreal, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> got brownie points with 8 million people in Quebec. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, I, mean, I mean, Chad and I basically have the same, at least for the top three. Um, yeah, I think so. Tampa Bay, Toronto, Boston. I definitely think it's their playoff spots to lose. Um, as for after that, I don't know. Uh, Montreal, I think, is a, a huge wild card. You know, as mm-hmm. they go, Carey Price goes. But I just don't know who's going to score goals on that team this, this season. Well, one thing that amazes me is just to step away. Both and go- defense. <laughs> you don't really need defense when you got price in net though i guess if yes. he's in net. Yeah. you know the injuries are has been a concern but uh no toronto if you look at their forward group is there a better group in the nhl hmm. like just all from top to bottom it's very in montreal no my, not much all is very good wingers but they have no no centers no he's saying oh, toronto no. is there oh toronto okay now they said I'm in Montreal. I'm sorry about saying, wait, what are you looking at? <laughs> no, I thought you were saying in Montreal. That's why I was confused. <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, to, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Toronto, if, I mean, if, if I want to have a hot take this year, uh, I think it maybe Toronto misses. Um, they had just so many good things go for them last year. Like all the rookies played really well. All, all the forwards and D were relatively healthy. Um, I just don't know if that's going to happen two years in a row, but I still think they're good enough to get in. Um, they just kind of a, I would say surprise because everybody knew how good the young players were, uh, that were coming up. I just didn't, don't know if everybody knew how big of a role they were going to have and, and how they're going to excel in those roles. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where everything clicked perfectly and they got in because of a lot of overtime points. Just sorry to sidetrack here. Do you guys think the league would be better if you got rid of points altogether? Because the NBA doesn't have awesome. The ML, uh, Major League Baseball doesn't have any points, and the NFL doesn't have any points. So it just seems like it's a weird thing where there's such a big argument about the loser point, quote-unquote. Mm. But then if you just get rid of points, you totally eliminate that discussion altogether. I don't know if I'm prepared enough for that conversation, to be honest with you, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we'll reconvene before the season. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think, I think it's a good regroup question there because I think that'll take more time than I have and more preparation than I have right now, too. <laughs> But uh, no, it's one of those things where everything clicked perfectly. Right. And the, I mean, the rookies, just looking at the big three, obviously, not even talking about Connor Brown, but looking at the big three of Matthews, Marner, Nylander, they could easily do it again. But the sophomore slump is a real thing. Right. Like, I don't care who yep. you are. You could easily hit a wall in your second year. Even if it's not consistently, you're just, you'll score 10 goals, 15 goals, and then you fall off. Brock Nelson's hit it. Every season he's played, it hasn't even been a sophomore slump. <laughs> um, if that happens, the team falls off. The defense isn't really much better than it no. was. The only, the only thing I can say about the team is they're older, so they have that one extra year of experience. I like the pickup of Dominic Moore, uh, even before he was a Bruin. I think he's pretty much one of those universally respected players around the league. Everyone kind of – he knows they know he's a fourth liner. They know that he's going to score. Uh, he's going to chip in a few goals. He's going to play his role. He's a very good pickup for a young team that needed that leadership, I think. Oh, and Marlowe. Let's not even forget about Marlowe. That's, that's huge. We'll, we'll see about that one. Three yeah. years for him. I don't know if uh, oh, they're going to well, get all three years. Who knows, down the line of the contract. But this year, I can see him getting 27 goals and 60 points. Yeah, I can see it. I can see that. Like you said, I guess it's, it's just going to matter of 
if and when the injuries come and if the slumps happen, kind of they two of the three happen at the same time. Uh, I think they could run into a little bit of trouble. And uh, to see what that team does, if they run into trouble, will be interesting this coming year. Especially when you're talking about a team or a division that is so close with so many teams. Like I have Ottawa and Montreal at four and five. They could be two and three. They could be one and two. You know, they were one and two uh, last year. So it's just, it's such a wild division. And I think going into last season, everyone would have had, in whatever order, Tampa Bay and Florida as one and two. Right. And neither made the playoffs, which is crazy to me. Obviously, different circumstances for both teams. The whole uh, Dave Talon and Tom Rowe and all that situation in Florida, <laughs> Jargaland. And then you have uh, Stamkos injured and everything that happened there, the defense not playing to their potential. But uh, for whatever reason, anything can happen. So Brandon Sher Cohen, uh, he does a whole lot. He is a scout for Beyond the Blade, feature columnist for the Bruins, lead writer for the Blackhawks, and news writer for the Hockey Writers, and also co-host for the new Troubles of Bruin. Uh, you can follow the on Twitter at TABpod, and you can follow Brandon on Twitter at Sher Cohen. Brandon, man, always like having you on. Definitely got to do it again. Love to talk out you, man. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. It was a lot of fun. All right, welcome back to Beyond the Blade here on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel and Grandstand Sports Network, the best view in sports. So that was, again, Brandon Sher-Cohen. Uh, a nice little conversation there, Bill. Like we said before, he knows his stuff. He knows his Bruins. Uh, even talked a little bit beyond the Bruins within the division, so that was <laughs> kind of cool to have that conversation too and see where his head's at. Yeah, always a good time. Uh, I'll, I personally will be excited to – listen to new podcasts, especially on weeks where they're throwing around kind of the, the division view. Uh, I always like to hear what Brandon's got to say about the division and kind of the league as a whole. So i uh, excited for the new podcast to come out for him. And uh, yeah, always, a, you know, always a great interview and a good just kind of talk with him catching up since uh, it's been a little bit uh, yeah, since he was on last. Is there anything that uh, kind of jumped out to you before we jump to the Sabres stock here? Anything he said on Boston that kind of jumped to you or you kind of, he said everything you kind of expected? Uh, maybe, maybe the Chara part. Uh, I mean, I obviously, he watches Boston a lot more than I do, um, but I didn't think he was, he was that good last year. No, um, I, I don't think he was as bad as everybody. I mean, if you remember him in the world championships, everyone's like, Oh my God, this guy's done. Oh, the world yeah, championship, I'm sorry. The world cup of hockey. Right. Yeah. He's terrible. Um, mm. So, I mean, maybe maybe that's kind of what played into it. Maybe he played better throughout the season, and maybe I just missed it. But uh, I just kind of saw it as a blessing in disguise that guys like McAvoy are ready and Carlo because uh, I thought Char is basically on the way out. Uh, I thought he's, he's, you know, basically done, and that D is going to kind of hand over the keys to the young guys uh, on the back end there, and hopefully that they can, you know, get it going. But uh, – I mean, other than that, not really, I guess, more like we kind of talked about recently is just kind of where have all these prospects come from. Right. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there, especially, you know, it, it is crazy looking at their prospect list. I mean, all the kids they had, he rattled off some of them and even didn't mention some of them, like Andres Bjork, who's another guy that could potentially make the team. You know, he's a former Sabre prospect, Kel Peterson's teammate at Notre Dame, and, you know, he had a good year last year in college. So he's another guy that could creep up there. We'll see his name with Boston. Let's not waste any time here. Let's get to the uh, get to the Sabres talk. It's been the vast majority so far of this podcast talking about other teams, other things. Uh, let's get to what we do best and what is in our wheelhouse, uh, the Sabres talk. And let's start, for me, I think a good spot to start is with Sam Reinhart. You know, I, we put a poll up on Twitter, and it's pretty interesting because how this poll came back out. Uh, I'll kind of let you go first with your feel, then I'll maybe throw mine in. Um, but quickly, while I'm pulling up the poll here, if I'm not mistaken, I think, you know, the question was, would you move Reinhart to center – this upcoming season uh, and the options were yes, no, and eventually, um, but maybe not yet. And, you know, it was a pretty, pretty close poll with 37% saying yes, 34% saying no, and 29% saying eventually, but not yet. So it's 128 votes. And that's a pretty close vote. Um, so like I said, I'll let you go first here, Billy. Where do you, uh, where do you fall down in this whole conversation? I mean, there's the three options for me. 
it comes down to eventually. Um, with where the team is currently, uh, new coach, new system, I just don't <laughs> we, – we're going to get to a part where it says, who is Jack's wingers? Uh, if you take Reinhardt off, <laughs> now you got two spots instead of one. Um, I mean, provided somebody else like Oposo or Kane doesn't move down with the new coach, you don't know. Uh, but I just – I could see Reinhardt being, you know, a very good – third line center say like for example somehow maybe Kane gets signed an extension so maybe a Kane Reinhardt third line uh, could be really good and you know in a couple of years if, if somebody like you know Bailey Baptiste hits and then maybe Nylander's ready to go uh, if, if two of those three move up to Eichel's wing possibly uh, maybe even like a middle stab depending on how that goes um, sliding someone like Sam down to a third line I think could be good for him uh, that, that way you're not seeing you know as much of the top end guys, he can kind of use the smarts to his advantage and it'll be even more of an advantage on uh, against third line pairings or if he's maybe, you know, that shutdown. Uh, but as for this year, I, I just don't think there's any way that's possible. I think you need him on Jack's wing. He needs somebody that's going to be able to see the game as he does. Um, and especially with Sam being on a, yes, it's, it's a, a contract year where he's an RFA, but uh, I just, I don't see any how Sam really would want to come off of Eichel's line when he's trying to get paid. Um, so if you have the best chance of making the most, you're going to want the best guy in your line. Uh, and if that's the case, I just, I just see him as, you know, second line winger for this year with Jack. You know, for me, it, it's, you know, the whole time I kind of was in a position that I, I didn't want to move him to center yet, or maybe even ever, you know, he, he, he showed he could play on the wing he was productive on the wing. I know he was a natural center and you drafted him as a center when he was second overall, but the team is different now than it was when he was drafted. Right. Uh, but, you know, it, it, I've had this thing where I, I, I look at the roster and right now it's, it's the way it fills out in my head is you have – you're going to have Michael to top center, then you have Ryan O'Reilly, and then that third center is, – is it Larson? Is it Gergensen's? Uh, is your fourth center Larson or Gergensen's? Is – you know, Jakob Josephson going to be in that position uh, where if you move right to center on that third line, then your top three are Eichel, O'Reilly, Reinhardt, Larson. And then, I mean, that, that's a pretty solid four centers down the middle right there. But, you know, the like fear I, said, I have then to speak it back to is then yeah, what are you going to do on the wing? Right. And yeah, you know in, a, I mean? in a perfect world, like those four is your centers. Are, you're a, you know you're a playoff team and and you're you know that that's where you want to get um, to be that perennial playoff team but like like you said just looking at this team this year uh, unless all of a sudden all the guys who weren't ready last year are all of a sudden ready you just have no wingers you, you don't you can't really fill it out uh, as you know top pairings uh, if, if you're moving a guy like Sam down to center I mean and if, if you know if what happens what we think will happen will happen Kane eventually goes too I mean you just you got a lot of spots uh right. for wingers that you got to fill in so but not to I mean, you off no I mean no I, I was done anyways but you have I mean you have guys like Bailey Baptiste Nylander uh who are going to eventually need to at least get an opportunity on this team you know those guys can step in for Kane hopefully one of them uh, Nylander put some bulk on. I am really excited to see how he looks in training camp. Yep. I think he has a better chance to make this team that people are giving him credit for, to be honest. Uh, but we'll see what happens in September. But, I mean, it's, it's so hard. Let me, let me throw those top six at you. Because this kind of goes into a whole bunch of conversations we're going to go here. You know, with Spike, with Reinhardt at center, uh, Gierkensen, who's unsigned, where does he fit? And then the winger fit for Eichel. So let me throw this top six at you because I, I was kind of thinking about this. So here's my first line. Evander Kane in my left wing, Eichel in the middle, and let's say it's Justin Bailey in my right wing. And then my second line is Ryan O'Reilly, Kyle Oposo. I'm going to leave that left wing blank for now because I'm going to surprise you that I'm going to put there. And then my third line is Reinhardt with Pominville and Pouliot. What do you think about giving Gergensen a shot on that second wing with O'Reilly and Oposo? I think that shot is going to be very short-lived. You don't uh, think it'll work? No. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just 
I mean, he plays that same kind of style that I mean that O'Reilly and Gerber and Oposo play. They're not flashy guys. That's why he didn't fit with Eichel. Eichel's that up and down the ice. No, but he's just uh, so inconsistent. I don't think he's going to show you something that you all of a sudden haven't seen. I mean, yeah, he was really good with Ennis, but I mean, that's on a freewheeling Ted Nolan team that literally <laughs> was terrible. So they were just told to go try and put up goals because the team's not doing it. Um, I don't know. I, Jurgensen's, I, I just expect to, I kind of just expect him uh, as he gets signed, if he gets signed, when he gets signed, uh, to just go to the fourth line there as a winger. Um, I, I think for this year, I think Larson's your third line center. I think he did really well with that last year. I think him, Pominville, and Pouliot is a, a pretty solid third line. And I think he can get a, even play as a shutdown line and give O'Reilly that rest that he needs instead of playing in all situations at all times and, you know, hurt most of the time playing. Because right. uh, it's another thing, kind of like with uh, Ristolainen on the back end, you're going to get that help from, you know, Beaulieu and, and Scandella, hopefully. Uh, same thing here. I think I think you kind of need that, that shutdown third line that obviously they're still going to be able to score. They're still a pretty quick uh, third line. Larson showed he's got still some skill with that shot. Uh, he had that one goal before he got hurt last year where he went far down. And I remember, oh. I think we were at the game together and I looked at you and said, was that Larson? Yeah. Uh, I remember that. Yeah. So um, yeah, I just, I mean, we'll see, like I said, uh, a lot of things can happen. Maybe, you know, with the new coach and Housley sees, things that he likes and maybe that he's going to put players in different positions, you know, and not have it as close to last year's. Um, it was like, I could see maybe, maybe Oposo goes on Eichel's wing because you need that sniper for the setup guy uh, that Eichel is. He's, he's more of a pass first guy than he is shoot. And it kind of drives everybody nuts. But maybe if you have a guy like Oposo on his line instead, uh, he's going to be looking for Oposo as a guy who can finish. So I, I think there's, there's a, I think a lot of people are looking at last year's lines and uh, kind of just trying to still fit what what kind of went well um, into this year and kind of bring it over. But, I mean, with a totally different system, if they're going to be playing, you know, completely different from the system Bilesman was had in place, those lines easily could be mixed up quite a bit. So I'm not saying you're far off uh, with maybe Reinhardt playing the third line center. Uh, I think if you can get the wingers to fill in. But, again, it goes back to the thing of, Bottrell saying that he wants the AHL to be good. He, said, right. he sounded like almost nobody was going to be up this year. So yeah. if that's the case, I just don't know how you're filling that top six with guys like Gergensen's or Pominville or Pouliot or Molson, God forbid. And then we're kind of maybe the on ice looks a lot better because they're wheeling and dealing and, and kind of skating a lot more and more North South game. But, uh, I feel like we could still be driven a little crazy here if, if we're given guys like that, you know, positions on the top six where, again, they still just don't belong. Right. Do you think it's possible uh, that Gierkinson's here still doesn't end up on this team come training camp? It still is not here? It's either, I don't know, I don't know if I'm going to say on sign, but I'm not kind of going for me. Do you think he's moved by the time training camp right. comes? I mean, at this point, I would think no. I think, again, especially with what he's trying to do, I think eventually he just gets signed to a one-year deal. Uh, he gets whatever it is, a little over a million, and he kind of just gets placed. Maybe the, the fourth line, if he plays well, he can get moved up a little bit. Because, I mean, he's still a good, young, depth guy. Uh, he, he can fill the right. role pretty well. He just hasn't been able to put up the points recently. Um, and as even Ivis has said, he just kind of looks like he's checked out. He's not the same guy as he was, but maybe kind of a new coach and a new system is what he needs. Uh, instead of so much structure where he just struggled to be in position. Um, yeah, it doesn't say, you know, it's, it's I, I think playing away from Bilesma's system, you know, at times, you know, yeah, he looked checked out, but I think that's because I, I believe he was lost. I, I believe he right. didn't understand the system. He thought it was too complicated for him. And I think he overthought it too much, you know, where under Nolan, he just went out there and played hockey and that worked out pretty well for him. Bilesma, he had to think a game a lot and, I don't think that fit at all, you know, and I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, Housley's going to have a pushover easy system here, but I don't think it's even as complicated as Bilesma, you know, as Jerome McGinley once said, Bilesma had the most complicated system he's ever played under. Right. So I don't think we're going to see that out of Housley and maybe that benefits Gergensen's where he can kind of get back to just playing his style and playing his game and not thinking the game so much, which allows him to be 
perhaps a more productive player, which is maybe under the radar guy who has a pretty decent season, which the Sabres, if they want to entertain any realistic ideas of being a playoff team, they're going to need guys like Gergeson to maybe score 15 goals or maybe Bailey to have a breakout year or, or Elander to have a breakout year. I mean, they, they yeah. need that type of player from someone at least. And if Gergensen fits in the system, maybe he's that guy. Yeah. Yeah. You're definitely, if, if you're talking playoffs at all, you're going to definitely need somebody, somebody who's been here like a Larson Gergensen's or a kid is really going to have, well, and I should say, and one of the kids uh, to kind of step up and not only be able to play at the NHL, but excel and, and have a good year um, for that to happen. I will say this is, this is going to be a really good test, not only for these players, but kind of for the fan base. Everybody was ready for Bilesma to go. Um, everybody had a lot of complaints with where he put guys and the system that was in place. Well, this is kind of it. This is where you're going to see, well, here you go, a new coach. It's supposed to be more offensive, more you know, north-south, more speed. Uh, if we're going to see a lot of the same problems, then, I mean, newsflash, there's going to be a lot of players that people are yeah. going to be you know, on the hot seat quick, uh, and they're going to be probably out the door because, I mean, if you can't play under that system, you can't play under this system, what are you doing? Because I, I feel like that. You know, with, with this system being in place, I think guys like Eichel and Reinhardt are going to excel. Because if you think about it, we always talk about how Reinhardt is, is you know, one of the most uh, – he sees the game really well. He's, a, you know, hockey smarts, one of the best thinkers on the ice. He struggled last year defensively in the yep. zone. So, I mean, if you're seeing that again this year, now we got a problem with, okay, what's going on with Reinhardt that he's struggling, you know, still defensively. He's not really making the progression that he needs to be making as, you know, one of the top picks of the draft. Um, but to the other side of that, which I think a lot of people now think, and I as well, um, if Housley comes in here and this team just looks totally different and the lapses you're seeing are more of, you know, guys getting caught or maybe out of position in the offensive zone that are turning into odd man rushes the other way. Now, you know that, okay, they're just getting used to the system, but if you're not really seeing those lapses of, you know, Bogosian looking the other way or three guys under behind the net when there's a guy wide open in front uh, where guys are just totally overthinking where they're supposed to be and, or they're getting bored of how the system is and they're just chasing the puck, which seemed to be a problem last year as well. So yeah. there's going to be a lot to see uh, the difference between the two systems and how the players react to it. Um, it's going to be a, I think it's going to be really interesting from that perspective of, of which players were the problem and which the system maybe did hold back. Maybe guys we didn't even think that was were being held back because of how complicated the system was. Yeah, I mean, something else that's going to be really interesting for us, you know, is, <laughs> we did it last year, and I think it's going to be more interesting this year, is uh, the whole the rosterology thing. You know, there's going to be mm-hmm. – it, it's, it's going to be – it's Baptiste, Bailey, Nylander. I mean, those are three guys we are really going to watch during training camp, which is going to make training camp more interesting for those three you – know, those three guys battling – particularly for the guy who's going to play on Michael's wing pretty much. I mean, <laughs> that's what's going to come down to. And you would think. It, it's going to make training camp very interesting. And also I, I think defense, you know, seeing how that defense gels together too um, is nothing for training camp that'll be exciting to watch. So I know it's still about a month away, but uh, we have the prospects challenge here first. We're going to see some of these young guys like Bailey Baptiste and Nina are probably playing that tournament. You know, I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty excited for training camp. And I know it's football season and the Bills play tonight, but, uh, you know, I, 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 I see hockey on the horizon. It, it, it's out there, and I think I can reach and grab it. So it, it's starting to get me excited. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, this, this training camp I – mean, every, and every training camp there's battles and, and things are interesting. But for guys, especially for Bailey – well, Bailey and Baptiste, but more so Bailey, um, like this is the year. You got to – It is. Yeah. We've been waiting for two years now for him to make that jump. Uh, he's kind of made the jump. He's shown that he can play at the level, but he uh, last year he was struggling to score. Um, I don't necessarily – and this is going to be another thing too. With Biles, I feel like he just wasn't getting the fair shake that he was supposed to. He was, you know, he was up here, but he was playing, what, eight minutes a night with Gergensen's and the Laurier. Uh, so let, let's see. Hopefully in training camp he's going to get that shot. He's going to play with guys like Eichel or, or Kane and, and O'Reilly and, and – he's really going to have to make his mark because if he doesn't this year, then people are going to start scratching their heads and wondering what they can get for him on the market because he won't be here much longer if, if he doesn't make the jump and, and really, you know, push to, to be a contributor and, and a solid guy 
whether that be, you know, a second or a third line guy for the, the Sabres this year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. Beyond that, the one little other Sabres thing I wanted to touch on here besides the lines and, you know, all that fun stuff and center and Gergensen's a <laughs> uh, little bit of a, a fun thing, I guess it gets an interesting thing. Uh, Victor and in an interview he did confirmed uh, that his number next year will be 93. The first 93 in the Sabres since one Doug Gilmore. So what do, you, what do you think about 93? You know, I always like those interesting numbers. They kind of always catch my attention, and 93 is going to be one of them. So how do you feel about that? I'm, I'm totally fine with it. Uh, I, I mean, it's funny. He was born in 92, so I wonder why I picked 93. But uh, <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, No, yeah, I mean, all the power to him. I, numbers are – they are what they are. They're just numbers. So yeah. if he wants to go out and pick a number that's not really, you know, seen as really a defensive number – uh, maybe it's just him giving us a glimpse of how much offense he's going to try to produce here for the Sabres this year. He's more of a guy that you'll look up and all of a sudden he's sitting in front of the net. So maybe it's he's, just true. Trying, he's yeah. trying to confuse yeah. the other team with his 93. <laughs> yeah, how that defenseman got everybody. That's a forward. No, that's a defenseman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so the last thing I want to touch on, which is pretty interesting, um, you know, it, we had our BC talk last year, maybe more – the you know, Sabres are actually in that race and traded for VC's rights, but there's a couple guys uh, that'll be become free agents like VC on August 16th, uh, which is six, seven days from today. But the one guy who stands out is Colorado Avalanche defenseman um, Will Butcher, University of Colorado defenseman. I'm sorry, University of Denver defenseman. Um, but he can definitely be an upgrade for the Sabres. I think they should go after him and consider it. Uh, I'm not sure if he would come here or have any interest. You know, the weird thing we kind of talked about before the podcast is maybe part of it's we haven't really been paying attention that much, but <laughs> I haven't really heard any teams that have been interested where last year, I mean, you had Chicago practically stalking VC and, right. you know, Boston was always in it. And then Pittsburgh came in later and New York eventually jumped in and the Sabres were always there and Toronto, with his brother, um, there's really not that kind of thing going on here with Butcher, but, I, I think if the option is there, if you consider Buffalo, I think it'd be an upgrade. And I, I think Buffalo's one of the few teams that give him the opportunity to come into training camp and at least battle for a position. I'm not, I'm not saying he would get it, but you know, it's better than going somewhere else where you're definitely going to be an AHL player. So if he wants that opportunity at least to earn a roster spot in the NHL right away, I, I think the Sabres can offer him that, and that should make it somewhat appealing, right? Yeah. I mean, it's he's definitely interesting, and – and adding, you know, young guys who were, you know, what was he? He's a fifth round draft pick, but, you know, adding those college guys that, that don't want to sign with their teams, it can't hurt. I mean, it's basically right. a free player. It's, it's a, a guy that, especially these top guys, it seems like every year there's a couple of those top guys that you might as well throw your name in the hat for all of them because if one of them hits, you're going to yeah. die for free that you're not paying anything, you know, pick wise or, or, uh, you know, really money wise either. So it can't hurt, uh, as I don't know if, I mean, it, it really depends on, on the other options. Um, cause I mean, yeah, looking, looking at the defense last year, they were terrible. So ideally there's a, a spot from this year, but I really think that, uh, Bottrell, you know, being the, the new GM, he's really going to want to see the moves that he made and see if those kind of work out. Uh, so I think your top six are pretty, pretty set. I, especially with Gooley too. I don't see any yeah, way that right. Gooley gets kind of jumped by Butcher. Um, but, yeah, I mean, another depth defenseman can never hurt, like I said. So uh, it'll be very interesting. I can't believe it's, you know, five days away here. And, well, at least today, if you're listening to tomorrow, four days away. Um, and, yeah, we just really haven't heard anything. So I even did just kind of a quick search and didn't see too much. So I, I would expect – you know, early next week, things are going to start to pick up on, on these college free agents that are going to be available on the 15th. Couldn't agree more. It'll it'll be an interesting couple of weeks in the middle of uh, August. We'll say that. It'll give us a little bit of excitement <laughs> to kind of chase a player around. Um, so anything else you want to touch on here in the Sabres before we do my spiel here, or you want to save it for the next couple of weeks coming up here? I think I'll save it. We got a lot coming up with the you know the prospects challenge and training camp, which will be huge. So uh, I think we got a couple other things too in the works. So 
yeah, let's save it and look forward to, to the next one here. All right. So I hit my little spieler here. So make sure you are following us on Twitter at BTB hockey, continue to interact with us uh, on Twitter. Some of the people, I guess, like ourselves who are coming out of our hockey hibernation. So we're starting to get some interaction. So that's good. Keep that coming. Uh, make sure you subscribe, rate, share on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, the Hockey Writers Podcast channel. And also, of course, make sure you check out the Grandstand Sports Network. Uh, the station has a lot of good podcasts on there. So definitely check that out. Football, hockey. Uh, and we just added one for a buddy of mine, Eric Roberts from the Hockey Writers. Uh, he talks about all sports, baseball, basketball, hockey, football. So Definitely make sure to check out that station. Um, and last but not least, uh, make sure you check out our new uh, partner, JustEditionHockey.com. Go check out the clothing, hats, sunglasses, edition, uh, vision, if you will, uh, and check that out. Like I said, we'll have probably some sort of promo code here coming uh, with our partnership that we'll get out there when it becomes official, official. So. I think that's it. We talked about some Bruins hockey. We talked a little bit of Sabres, some Lines, some Reinhardt, some Antipin, uh, college free agents. So for the middle of August, Bill, I think we kind of kind of had a few, kind of hit on a lot there, and I'm I'm pretty impressed that we got it all in. Yeah, me too. Uh, I guess I'd say enjoy the rest of your summer, but we'll be back here before August ends. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If anything, I think maybe we'll take one more. We'll kind of maybe go every other week here through August, and then once September rolls around, we'll probably start hitting these weekly again because uh, we'll be with the prospects challenge and training camp. So I would say definitely in September, we'll get back into these weekly. Maybe we'll go every other week here or even not. Maybe we'll be in the mood to go weekly. Who knows? Start firing them up. We'll see. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, it always feels good to get back into the hockey swing of things. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting this year too. Uh, get, get, get it going, get it rolling. Yes, sir. So for Chad and Bill, we are out of here this week. Thank you very much for listening and checking out some hockey talk here uh, in the middle of the dog days of the hockey off season. Uh, And we will talk to you again in about a week or so, and we'll cover another team in the Atlantic and maybe we'll have some more to talk about. So stay tuned for that. And also stay tuned for most stuff you might have coming on Twitter. So for Chad and Bill, we're out of here. Talk to you soon. See ya.
and gets it. And again, and couldn't get the shot away now. 